let's look at the Word today. And I'd like to, uh, there's a couple of scriptures I'd like for us to take a look at. Uh, Galatians chapter 6, and also uh, we're going to be in Psalm 126. So Galatians chapter 6. I want to speak to you about uh, today, about as we continue this, the promise of um, intimate pattern prayer. We've been looking at some practical tips. And um, I want to talk to you today about an unexpected benefit that when you begin applying God's word to you regarding uh, what you're learning about prayer. I, I hope to explain this more clearly when I, we get into the text today, but that uh, an unexpected benefit is that you become more meaningful. You become more meaningful. When you experience meaningful prayer, you become more meaningful. Galatians chapter 6, verses uh, 7 to 9. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. And whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Those who sow in tears, in Psalm 126, 5 to 6, those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. I remember in my younger years of ministry, I went had opportunity a lot of times to speak to young adults, um, counseling them who were struggling with relationships with their parents or struggling with all oh, life in general. Um, this is one of the principles that I would share with them was that, that uh, they shouldn't be deceived, that God cannot be mocked, that a man will reap what he sows because their mindset, and again, this was, we're talking about 25, 30 years ago, I don't think it's changed much today, but many times I would encounter young people particularly who thought that they could sow weeds and reap corn. They thought they could, they could, they could sow uh, bad decisions. They could sow um, their own selfish choices. They could, they could plant that in their life and they should be blessed. They should get the good things in life. And I remember more than once seeing a young person look at me with these strange, like, like I had lobsters coming in my ears, like they, like they didn't. What? I deserve good things no matter what I do. That was what I was up against in counseling them sometimes. I deserve, what I, I deserve good things no matter what I do. And I said, well, you might think that, but it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You have to, you have to make good choices, good decisions. You have, to, you have to obey God if you want God to bless you, if you want the good things to happen in your life. And again, even if you, when you do good things, there's going to be hard things that come in your life. But a lot of times, many times, when you plant the good things, the hard things won't be as hard. And a lot of hard things are avoided totally because you've done the right thing. So here we have this, um, this principle here. And I think we're going to weed this down. We're going uh, to kind of weave it, I should say. Going to weave it through uh, this understand this, this lesson on prayer today. 
I think there's something uh, misleading. I, was, I really appreciate the graduation emphasis today. There's something misleading about graduating from high school or tech school or college or any academic training after going through a course of study for 12 to 16 years or so. You kind of have this sense that you've arrived. I remember as a young person, I've arrived. I've finally done. I can close the books. I can go out and you know, really enjoy life and I, can, I, can, I don't have this pressure of, of learning. And possibly for a few years afterwards, you kind of float along on, on all that you have learned, but as you mature, as you mature, hopefully you realize, oh, nope, I was wrong. There is more to know. <laughs> there is more to know. There is more to learn. Instead of having arrived, you realize that everything in life is this ongoing learning process. Everything is, and it's not an end, but a continual journey. There is always something new to be mastered. I used to think that one day I could learn to master prayer. I did. In my younger years, I thought, I want to learn. That's my goal, is to master prayer. But now I see that that is an absolutely wrong way to think about prayer. Prayer is not something we master. Prayer is a part of the ongoing spiritual process of forming us into more Christ-like disciples. And that's why prayer is so important for us to understand how to do it. Uh, to understand what meaningful prayer is, to, to, to acclimate that understanding uh, to, our, to our knowledge, to our minds, and then also to be able to get it down here, practicing it, till well, finally it, it comes out emotionally and spiritually in our souls. Um, it is a practice of, again, intellectual discovery. We learn about prayer and then a continual soul maturing in our understanding. I, I will never graduate from the school of prayer while I'm in on this earth. I will never do that. I'm, you know, the reason is because <clears throat> I'm, uh, I still have an imperfect mind, I still have imperfect emotions, and I still have this imperfect body. <laughs> it's got a lot of human weaknesses. My, my thinking is sometimes all skewered, you know, messed up. But you know what? Uh, it's not until Jesus, not until we see the Son of Man coming in the clouds, not until we see him coming in the clouds and we're transformed into a, having a body like his. We rise to meet him in the air where we're fully redeemed, where our minds are fully redeemed, where our bodies are fully redeemed, our souls are fully redeemed. We're fully made perfect, you know, where we're just perfect. And there's no imperfections in us. Then we have mastered prayer. In fact, I think we could say that there is no prayer in heaven because we will see him all the time. I don't know how that's going to be. I don't know how I can see him all the time. But I know the scriptures tell us that he will be there with us. That he is going to be dwelling with us in a way there that he doesn't dwell, us with, dwell with us here. It's not, you know, every quiet time when God consists of this, you know, every prayer time uh, uh, we have these exuberant, joyous emotions. I mean, you wish it happened that way. But uh, that's not how spiritual growth and maturity happens. The apostles didn't see visions every time they prayed. Uh, they, Peter didn't see a vision of those clean and unclean animals coming down in a, in a sheet there in Acts chapter 10 every time he prayed. Paul, he didn't, uh, he didn't, he didn't see a man coming to, to him and opening up his blind eyes every time he prayed in Acts chapter 9. And Isaiah didn't see the Lord high and lifted up, you know, 
uh, every time he prayed either like he did in Isaiah chapter 6. But, but stop and think about this. These special, now think with me, these special divine events that I just talked about, the thing that happened to Peter, the thing that happened to Paul, the thing that happened to Isaiah when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, he saw the Lord as best he could with his human eyes and, 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 and the Lord commissioned him to go with, with God's message to his people, to the Jewish people. Um, think about this. These special events, they occurred on just the ordinary routine days. There was no special days. These were just the ordinary days as these disciples were in the process of seeking, learning, and maturing. As they faithfully tried to keep growing, God suddenly worked. Growth is a mystery to me. It is a mystery. Really, a seed, think about it, a seed put in the ground is nurtured, it's protected, it's nurtured, but nothing is happening. It looks like nothing is happening. And it goes on for days, maybe even months, you know. Nothing is happening. But it's being nurtured, it's being protected, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, boom, there's a little growth that happens. The conditions are just right or something and then there's a, there's, there's a breakthrough. Growth and the seed is changed. And loved ones, let me tell you, that's the way all growth works. That's the way your growth will, will work. Sometimes we don't grow because we just don't keep on doing the right thing. We just don't keep on doing the right thing. We don't learn to discipline ourselves to keep on doing the right thing. Keep on don't keep digging up the seed to look at it. You know, keep it in the ground. Keep it nurtured, you know, until the, right, until the right time comes. Oswald Chambers wrote this. Drudgery is the test of genuine character. That's worth writing down. Drudgery is the test of genuine character. You need to think about that. It means being willing to do what's right. Yes, doing what you know to do, even when you don't feel like it, is a sign of a, of a student growing in character and necessary disposition that readies a person, that readies a person for God to act and to intervene with them. Think about that. Drudgery is the test of genuine character. No one is born with character. No one is born with it. Um, it has to be honed, has to be shaped. God-glorifying habits uh, develop from uh, intentional efforts, from us practicing to do what's right. There are many times in prayer that everything seems so ordinary and there are no mountaintop experiences, but that doesn't mean nothing is happening in us. The, the very discipline of doing what you, you have learned about prayer up to this point in your life and doing it when you don't feel like it forms us into a certain kind of person. When you're doing what's right, it, it's, it's shaping you. It's molding you. You know, I talked to our, my, the, uh, the boys today about this, that God, you know, God did not create us with the ability um, to learn and um, information and master it all at once. You know, uh, uh, we learn in stages. We learn in degrees over time. We don't learn everything all at once. We, we learn things. We, we get smarter. We're supposed to get smarter as time go, goes on. We, we, learn at, we also learn at different rates, don't we? 
We all learn at different rates of speed. Uh, we, are, we are all equal before the Lord as far as our individual worth goes. Uh, Romans, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 2, God's no respecter of persons. All people, are, all ethnicities, male, female, are equally loved and valued by the Creator. Amen. However, we are not equal in abilities. We're equal in worth. But we're not equal in abilities. Even Jesus pointed out in Matthew chapter 25 when he noted in this parable that God evaluates his children, first of all, not against one another. God will never evaluate me you know, against Becky or Becky against me. He doesn't hold us up and say, okay, you're doing good. You're not doing so good, you know. Because <laughs> look how, better they, how much better she is, you know, or how much better he is. God never evaluates us against one another. Look at that, Matthew chapter 25. It's very, very clear there. He never evaluates us against one another, does he? He, uh, however, he... Um, Jesus, uh, well, we, he doesn't, like I said, didn't hold us up, but he compares us to what he knows we can be. He doesn't evaluate me against anybody else. Well, how he evaluates me is he knows what I can be. With the abilities that he's given me, I know what you can be, David. That's how he evaluates me. He doesn't evaluate me according to the fruit of my, my, my discipleship. He evaluates me with the potential that he knows he gave me. The fruit will come if you will put to work your potential. So he doesn't look at the fruit and say, oh yeah, I'm judging you by No, I'm judging you by your potential. God knows our potential. That was the whole point of Matthew 25 when he evaluates those servants. Uh, he, God had he given each of them different potentials. Isn't that, a so, isn't that a sobering thought? It's a happy thought too. It's sobering because we know that each of us will give an account to God for our lives and as he, that he gave us in Romans chapter 14, 12. The Bible says that and we'll all give an account. So our lives, you know, we, we're used to examinations. We always are going to, we've always had examinations. We, you know, we stress out about them, but we, we shouldn't. Uh, just do your best. Just do your best to prepare. Exams are meant to teach us what we need to know. I, uh, I have a relative who took a uh, driver's test. I'm not kidding you. 14 times and failed. The written test. 14 times. 14 times. Would you say 14 with me? 14 times. My goodness. Would you say that's a lot? But what... <laughs> thanks, Megan. But what, what he was learning, you know, each time he took it, he learned what he didn't know. I said, I didn't know that, you know, because, of course, they don't give you the exact same test every time, you know. Um, you know my, dad, my dad said, I messed up on that test one time. I remember when I was real young, I, they asked me where the green light was. Was it on the top or the bottom? And I'd never paid any attention. <laughs> He said, I got that one wrong. Uh, that's weird. Everybody knows it's on the top, right? <laughs> I was testing you. Uh, but the, 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 the point is, he passed on the 15th time. For 14 times, the exam taught him what he didn't know yet that he needed to know. We need sobering moments in our life to keep us on track. It's good for us to know that we will have to stand before Heavenly Father. Loved ones, that's a good thing. 
If you don't realize that, you think, oh, I hate to think about that. I'm going to give an account to God. No, don't look at it that way. God's giving you that to, to, as a helper, as a helper to us. You know, uh, it's horrible to, horrible to parents that doesn't give their children a boundary. You know, kids, don't cross this boundary. There's danger right there. Don't cross this. That's what God is doing. He's saying, listen, I love you so much. Someday you'll have to give an account to me. So that means you need to, you know, stay, stay, stay sharp. Because it's easy in this world of sinfulness to get sluggish and lazy. So the Lord gives us that, that knowledge uh, because He loves us that, he, that we'll have to give an account to Him. Amen? I tell you, He, um, you know, um, we need, we all need at times a good kick in the seat of pants. Even, even our district superintendent, even our general superintendent, we all need a good kick in the seat of the pants. I know I do. And it's, and, and it's not because I'm rebellious. I'm not in rebellion against God. I've got human weaknesses. And that's why the Apostle Paul, that's why he was given a thorn in the flesh. It was a kick in the seat of the pants. That's what Paul's thorn was. A kick in the seat of the pants. Where God was reminding Paul to keep pursuing him. To keep depending on his grace. Huh? Loved ones, as your pastor, I want, to, I want you to know just how much God loves you and is for you. He is easy to get along with. He is never against you. He's the most generous, the most gracious, and the, most, the kindest person that you are ever going to meet. The devil likes to take a truth like that, like having to give an account to God. He likes to take a, that truth like that and whip us with it and make us miserable with us worrying and fretting about not meeting up to God's potential for you. It's, it's just like the devil to do something like that to a sincere and tender follower of Jesus, making God look like a tyrant. But loved ones, let me tell you, if, if you're born again, if you're born again, you are a child of God and loved just as much as God loves Jesus Christ. You are safe in Jesus from not only the power of the devil, but the power of sin and the power of the world. You're completely safe also from the wrath of God that is to come. First Thessalonians chapter 1, 9 to 10 says, they, uh, they tell us how you've turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for the, His Son from heaven. Who he, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. So, you know, you're, you're not a rebel against your Heavenly Father. You've, he's taken that stony heart out of you. You don't want to rebel against Him anymore. You have a soft heart, a warm heart toward the Lord. And, and um, you know, you're, He's made you pure and good. And, and, and growing and maturing in Him and His knowledge is not a daily walk on eggshells or wondering if you're going to meeting up his expectations. A thousand times, no. You and I are safe in Jesus. The Father made it that way. All of us stumble, of course, and we all find ourselves getting spiritually sluggish at times and maybe even lazy. And that's why the Father gives us this wonderful Holy Spirit who dwells in us, this comforter, this teacher, this guide, this best of friends, this sanctifier within us. And he prods us and he pokes us and he nudges us going the right direction. Because he knows sometimes we need a kick in the seat of the pants. Due to human weaknesses, none of us are going to reach our full spiritual potential. I, I know I, I'm not. I'm going to keep trying. But, you know, only Jesus did. Jesus was perfect here. So he, he reached his full potential. But nobody else ever does. 
But we're striving toward that standard of being the best we know how to be for God. And sure, all of us will have things about our life that will burn up that we've talked about before in First, First Corinthians chapter 3, you know, where God evaluates our life and He tests us with His, with his fire and some things in our life will burn up. But you know what? If we just continue to say, Lord, I'm going to do my best. I want to surrender to you. I want to just stay in step with you. You won't have much burn up. Not much. And you know what you're going to hear? As soon as you get through the testing time of that day when we give account to Him, Again, it's just a testing time. It's evaluation time. He's going to look at you and some burned up, but most didn't. Most burned. Most didn't burn up. He's going to say just what Jesus told us he's going to say. He's going to say, thank you. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Yeah, that's who he is. That's the kind of God that we, that we serve. Amen. We just need to be aware uh, the threat of going to sleep spiritually or drifting away is very real and we have to keep on our guard and not allow the devil to sneak up behind us and devour our faith. We have to stay alert and keep growing in the area of prayer as well as other dis disciplines in the Lord. You know, forgiving and being forgiven by others and giving and sacrificing and suffering. Uh, there's a, lessons to learn in that and learning rejection from the world when it doesn't love us or it hates us because of our faith. And yes, even in the practice of prayer, that's something that we have to learn. Don't be discouraged. If you have setbacks in prayer, just keep persevering. What Paul said, keep on doing it. Keep sowing what is right. God is not mocked. You'll reap a harvest. You'll reap a harvest. Amen. You know, we can't reach our potential all by ourselves. Um, he's leading us. He does. Remember the old gospel song? This came to my mind this week. Uh, Sweet are the promises. Kind is the word, dearer far than any message man has ever heard. Pure was the mind of Christ, sinless I see. He the great example is and pattern for me. Where he leads, I'll follow. Where he leads, I'll follow. Follow all the way. Follow Jesus every day. Found on page 481, if you want to you know, look at it in the Nazarene hymnal there. 481. But uh, the point is, is that we're not alone. That Jesus is leading us. Amen. I want to encourage you loved ones. And i got to try to bring this to a close. Because I have, I have another page. But um, uh, I want to uh, just encourage you um, to grow and mature. In your, uh, to, reach your, to endeavor to reach your spiritual potential. That the Heavenly Father has given you. Um, Sometimes, again, you don't feel like praying, but that's the time when you need to. It's, it's, it's when you force yourself to take time to meet with God, when you grab yourself by the back of the neck and you say, I'm going to do what I, I know to do up to this point. You know, I may not know everything about prayer, but I'm going to practice today what I've learned up to this point. Because, you know what? It's an act of love. Prayer is an act of love. It's part of our loving God. Just like when we give in our offering, it's part of loving God. When we forgive somebody, it's part of loving God. When we're forgiven by somebody, it's part of loving God. When I, when I sacrifice secretly, it's part of loving God. When I read my Bible, it's part of my loving God. And when I pray, it's part of my loving God. It's how I show my love to Him. Yeah, it's not just about me getting stuff. It's about loving God. It's about loving other people who need our prayers. And if we, you know, it's when we feel 
the least like praying that we need to pray the most. Most people won't pray if they don't feel like it, but those who push on discover treasures about their Heavenly Father and about themselves. So often it's when we have failed over and over, it's, it's crucial that we not give up. A breakthrough is very close at hand if we don't give up. You know, that's what Paul said in Galatians. Some of you need a breakthrough and see that learning to pray is serious and it's an important way to love your Heavenly Father. It's um, a matter of maturity. Can I tell you this? It's an immaturity to think that deeper relationships come when you don't do anything. You know that? It's immature to think that way. Meaningful prayer happens because you are becoming a meaningful person. Because you're getting smarter about the Lord and because you're becoming more meaningful in Him. You're becoming a more meaningful prayer. See, often as I'm transporting kids, you know, back and forth, I hear this a lot. Can you listen for a few more moments? I listen to this. PD, I hate school. I hear this so much. Boy, we're going home after church on Wednesday nights, and I hear, I hear at least this. Oh, I can't tell you how many times I've heard this. I hope we have a snow day tomorrow. <laughs> hope, we, hope there's fog tomorrow morning. Maybe it'll last, you know, long enough or they'll cancel school. And I've heard that. I hate school. Actually, what they hate is not school. They hate the discipline of learning. That's what they hate. And you know what? They're hating what will give them freedom and joy in the future. They're not learning by saying, I don't want to learn this stuff now. Then you've limited yourself in what you can have in the future. You're, you're sowing ignorance and you're going you're gonna to reap tragedy. Your ignorance is terrible because tyrants can come and, uh, can come and abuse you when you don't know stuff. Yeah. And you know, it's... Uh, it's not because you're, you know, it's not because you're wicked that you resist praying. It's just because you're undisciplined. You resist the school of prayer. It's because you're spiritually immature. And as with any immaturity, you only need um, to begin determining to learn to, a good habit of putting prayer into practice, rain or shine. And that's why Oswald Chambers says, prayer does not equip us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Prayer does not equip us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Meaningful prayer makes you, transforms you, molds you into a meaningful person. Let me close with this illustration. We're done. It was the first day of high school and students were filing off, uh, you know, filing off to their first classes. And as they walked along outside these designated paths to various buildings, they were required to stay on the paths. One man, a freshman, cut across the grass instead of remaining on the path. A teacher called to him, stopped him, and asked him, uh, Young man, how do you define the word path? How do you define that? The young man answered that he supposed there were several def definitions, and the, the teacher remarked, Well, would you, would you say moving along a designated way would be one of those? <laughs> He said, yes, I guess I would uh, agree with that. And the teacher just kind of motioned to him. 
get on the path. And then he said this to him. He said, follow the path, young man. Walk where the great men before you have walked. And the young man said to him, yes, sir. It's better for the grass. And the teacher said, no, young man. It's better for you. Loved one, that's why we want to learn to pray. It's better for you. It's better for you. It's not that it, you know, it's not that, that God is, it doesn't improve God, doesn't do anything. It's better for you. It'll make you more able to receive more from the Lord. It'll make you know Him better, enjoy Him better. It'll make you a more meaningful person. Amen. Father, today as we leave, we pray that you'll help us to just praise you all day long. The rest of the day, thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for your mercy to us, your, the joy you give us, the kindness you show us, the, the providence you give us, the direction, all the wonderful things you give us, the knowledge that you bestow to us, the increasing understanding of your word. Thank you for that. We want to become better. We know you've already made us good. You've already made us, you've forgiven us, made us your children. We want to become better at knowing you. Oh God, pray help us to, to take our immaturity by the throat and just say we're not going to be this way anymore. We're going, to, we're going to practice prayer. Lord, even when we're doing it wrong, we're going to learn how to do it right. We're going to learn the discipline of prayer, rain or shine. We're going to know our Lord. We're going to become a meaningful person as we get to know you better and better. Lord, I pray. Oh, I pray, God, so much that, that you will impact us with the significance of the potential that you've given us that we want to try to reach. May that just kind of come, be, kind of uh, burn into our thinking today that you have given us a potential. And though we don't know what it is, but we know that we'll discover it as we pray and as we obey you as we learn to listen to you. And all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Thank you for your kind listening. And let us stand together. And the Lord uh, shine upon you today and make His uh, peace to abound in your heart. Amen.